This Old Time Radio Show is being presented by the OldTimeRadioDVD.com. It is our new digital publication called The Gazette. Go to the OldTimeRadioDVD.com to subscribe and get your subscription today. about boys and dogs, either one apart, well, a boy might be a rascal and a dog might be a nuisance, but you put a boy and a dog together and people say, aren't they cute? So tonight we're going to test out scientifically this fatal attraction that people seem to have for boys and dogs and see how far it goes. Now I'm holding in my arms a cute little French poodle and now I'd like to have you meet a cute little boy. So come out, young man, and I'll find out who you are. What is your name? Reese Ehrlich. How old are you, Reese? Almost eight. Now, Reese, do you have a dog of your own? No. Would you like one? Yes. Well, what do your mother and daddy say about it? They, they say we don't have room to keep one. Oh, gee, isn't that tough when a boy doesn't have a dog? You've asked them about a dog, haven't you? Yes. What kind of a dog would you like to have? Oh, uh, a collie. Yeah, well, now, this is a cutie one right here, isn't it? Yeah. Now, Reese, we asked you down here tonight because we're going to send you out into Hollywood, and Mr. Irvin Atkins is going to drive you out into a neighborhood where regular houses are, and you pick out any house that looks interesting. Uh-huh. Then you go up to the house, knock on the door, and when somebody comes to the door, you tell them this story. Now, listen. You tell them that somebody gave you a puppy and your mother won't let you keep it, but your daddy's going to be home in the morning, and you think he'll let you keep it. And ask them if they'll keep the puppy overnight, just for you, so you can pick it up in the morning. Okay. Let me hear how you're going to say that. Let's say that I'm at the door. What are you going to say? Please, mister, may I have a puppy? No, 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 no. You don't want a puppy. You you have a puppy. Now start again. Please, may may I let... Would you keep this for me? My mother won't let me keep it, but my father's going to be in, home in the morning, and I think he'll let me keep it. Now, can you get a little tear in your eyes when you say that? I don't know. Try to squeeze. Look real miserable, will you? Now, remember, you've got to let them take care of the puppy overnight. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, got, you got that? Uh-huh. All right. Now, of course, uh, you want to leave the puppy out in the car. You won't have the puppy with you at the time. Uh-huh. And then after, if they say they will keep it, you know, if they don't, then you go to another house. Uh-huh. But if they say they, that they will, and you plead with them, you run out and get the puppy. Okay. All right. Well, now, see this puppy here? Yeah. This is an awful cute one. This isn't the puppy. Uh, would you take this dog away, please? Uh, I had another one in mind for you, Reese. Yeah. Would you bring out the little puppy, please? which happens to be a St. Bernard weighing about 135 pounds. You want to take him? Don't let him run away with you. Uh, Now, you get around here, please. There you are. Now, um... You you take... You see, this will be out in the car, and, uh... 
You run out and get him and take him up and then see if the people still want to keep him overnight for you. Okay. And you can tell him he only eats 22 pounds of... 22 pounds of hamburger at a sitting. Okay. Now do the best you can and see if you can get somebody beg them to take your puppy. Okay. Well, what's the trick to it? That's very interesting. The trick is that you're going to say it's a little puppy, and it's in the car. Yeah. And when you come back with this, <laughs> you watch their expression. You got that? Yeah. All right, now, don't let me down. Okay. All right, on your way. Say goodbye to him, audience. Oh. There he goes. Oh. <laughs> What's the trick? <laughs> well, I think we'll have some fun tonight with a boy and a dog. And maybe some people are going to change their minds very abruptly as to whether or not they're going to keep the dog overnight. But if he finds someone who will agree to keep the puppy even after they see him, we're going to bring that family back and you're going to meet them and they're going to get a big, beautiful tap and gas range just for their own home. So let's see what happens at the end of the show. <laughs> we'll be back with Art and more of People Are Funny in just a moment. Will you three people kindly step out here? You, sir, step up here. Everybody face the front. You, sir, here. You, lady, right over here. One of you is accused of being a liar. Mr. Linkletter, take over, please. Ladies and gentlemen, we have here on the stage something resembling a police lineup. And just as the police occasionally do when they have a suspect to be identified by a witness, they mix in, along with the suspect, several completely innocent people. And so tonight, among these three people, we have one perjurer who will do nothing but lie about himself and what he does. The other two will tell the truth. Now, don't forget this is people are funny. What you think might be so might turn out to be just the opposite. And we're going to test this judgment of character and truth out on a lady who said that her specialty is judging character on first sight. Will you come out, please? Mrs. Rose Wright, and stand right over here with me. How do you do tonight? How do you do, Mr. Linklater? Could you tell us how old you are, Mrs. Wright? I'm 67. And in your long lifetime, you've had plenty of opportunity to judge people. Yes, that's right. How do you go about it? What is your feeling about your ability to judge people? I don't know. I think it's their actions, mostly their eyes. Their, you look in their eyes? Mostly their eyes. And you can tell when you first meet a person? If they're shifty, I don't like them. Yeah, huh? No. And if they look you right in the eye, yes. you believe everything I do. they yes, say. I do. I have a lot I want to sell you after the show. <laughs> Mrs. Wright, where are you from originally? British Columbia. You are now a Canadian? Yes. What are you doing in Southern California? I'm just here for the winter for sunshine. Good. We have plenty of it for you. Now, Mrs. Wright, these three people here are characters we have assembled, especially for this stunt. And one of them is going to lie to you, completely from beginning to end. And we're going to see if you can guess him on the very first try. And if you can, we're going to give you a $500 Amana freezer for your home. Our first guest, would you step down here, please, sir? Your name is? Lyle Reedy. Mr. Reedy, what are you representing here tonight, and what do you do? I'm an inventor. Have you been inventing things for very long? Quite some time, sir. What uh, things have you invented? Oh, uh, rubber brake shoes for on bicycles, mostly on aircraft. 
Uh-huh, and you and had patents taken patent, out on these Yes, things. I have. I have a pretty good living off of it. Now, what have you got in your hand, this odd-looking well, bar? This is a little thing I made up that's called a yard all. A yard all? A yard all. How yes, does it sir. work? Well, uh, we take it like this uh, for scraping the weeds off. What kind of on up there? Garden holes. Uh-huh, and then garden. what do you do? Well, we get down here like this, and we, uh, instead of bending down, like we used to have to do with the garden holes, we, uh, Force them off of this. In other words, it has a spray on yeah, that end, and that sprays the leaves. Knocks it off. Mm -hmm. And the weeds and things weeds like, like that. that. What's yes. this up here? Well, that's the light for at night. When lots of times when I come home, I want to go out at night uh -huh. and work. What's this? These gadgets down well, here. Well, now this I use for tying up bushes as I go along. This for trimming rose bushes occasionally. And you invented this perhaps because you're... Uh, oh, just for home use, yes, sir. And uh, you call it a yard off. Yard off. Mm -hmm. That is an unusual and interesting looking invention, isn't it? certainly is to me. Now look in his eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, you step back up there. There's an inventor. Our next guest is coming down now into the spotlight, and he is carrying a, a, a box behind which are what? Honeybees. How many? 3,000. 3,000 honeybees. What do you do? I uh, keep bees for a living. That's an interesting and unusual occupation. And is there a queen bee in there? Yes, sir. How can you tell which one's a queen bee? Well, she'd be pretty hard to find, but uh, she's uh, longer and more symmetrical than an ordinary worker bee. There's only one queen bee in a hive like this? Yes, sir. Now, what do the bees do? How do you make a living with the bees? With the honey or other ways? Well, with the honey and uh, taking bees for pollination. What do you mean, pollination? Uh, carry bees to, to hatch bees to uh, pollinate alfalfa seed. In other words, your bees go around and settle on alfalfa? Yes. What good does that do? Well, that trips the flower and uh, the seed uh, is fertile then. Did you, uh, uh, don't look at the bees, look at him, Mrs. Wright. The bees don't tell any lies. <laughs> They're all just little honeys working there. Has anything unusual ever happened to you in this line of business, Mr. Uh, uh, Littlefield. Littlefield? Yes, sir. Uh, when I first started in the business, uh, <clears throat> we were moving a load of bees uh, to uh, Soledad Canyon one night, and uh, the back road broke, and I dropped 15 colonies off uh, in the middle of the highway and right on the edge of the railroad track. What'd you have to do? Well, we had to get the bees off before freight train come by and before any automobiles come by. Did you get them all back in? We got them off. Uh, Nick of time. How many st stings did you? they sting you? My partner and I got 300 stings apiece. Isn't that enough to almost kill you? Well, it, uh, I'm still here, but it sure set my arthritis back a long way. There you are. Now, did you hear that story? Very interesting. Now, would you bring our next guest down, please? This is a young lady carrying a very fancy gun. And your name is? Beverly Putnam. And what kind of a gun is that? That's the 300 Weatherby Magnum. And what do you use it for? I use it to hunt big game in Africa. Is that your business? Yes, it is. What is your business exactly? I lead African safaris and Indian shikars. What are Indian shikars? That's a tiger hunt. You organize people to go out hunting big yes, game? Yes, I do. How did you happen to get into such an unusual business for a pretty and young girl? I went to the movies a couple of years ago and saw Mogambo. And I decided that I should go on a big game hunt in Africa, so I gathered 13 women together, and last year we went big game hunting. Now, before that, what did you do? I was a hula dancer. You were a hula dancer, and you went to the movies and saw Clark Gable and Mogambo, and the next month you were in Africa leading a safari. Yes. 
Were you um, ever in danger? Did you ever have any exciting experience? Yes, I had a real exciting day when I was hunting buffalo. We had spotted a herd about 200 yards from us. They were going from the lake shore into the bush. And we tracked them for about a half hour and no buffalo. And suddenly I heard a rustle and turned to the left. And there was a buffalo headed towards me. It was about 20 yards away. Because those buffalo will attack hunters. Yes, they're, they're a real menace. And uh, with my 300 Weatherby Magnum, I drew a bead on him. And uh, here's his right foot. Here's his right foot. That is the right foot of a, of a Cape Buffalo. The African Cape Buffalo. African Cape Buffalo. Well, that is a most unusual and interesting job. Thank you very much. Now, Mrs. Rose Wright, Canadian character judge and witness par excellence for a $500 a man of freezer, which one is the liar? And I can see all the people out in the audience going, that one, that one, that one. I give you one guess. Now, do you have any idea which one looks like the... Now, remember, you're on People Are Funny. I don't think that gal's telling the truth. What? I don't think that gal is telling the truth. All right, let's bring her down and see if you've won the prize. A girl who went to Mogambo and became a big game hunter, Miss Beverly Putman. Putnam. Putnam? Yes. May I ask, first of all, what sort of a sight you have on that ride? That's a four-power scope. Uh, you can't ask any more questions. You've oh. done your judging. <laughs> you have looked into her eyes but and found I them ask, shifty. What country in South Africa did you say you were? In East Africa. Miss Putnam? Are you lying or are you telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. She is telling the truth. And not only the truth. Isn't this a remarkable story? It sounds like something we'd make up, wouldn't it? Right out of whole cloth. And as a matter of fact, you're planning some more hunting trips, aren't you, Bev? Yes, I'm rounding up another group to go to Africa in June. And in September, I hope to take men and women to Africa. And in December, we'll go tiger hunting in India. Gee, I'd love to be able to go with you. Even if we didn't find any tigers, I'm sure we'd have a grand time. Thank you. You didn't think we had buffalo, buffalo in, Africa? in Africa? Oh, yes, they have buffalo now. You have lost the Amana Freezer, but I'm going to give you another try, and this time for a big, beautiful Mohawk carpet worth several hundred dollars, if you can tell me which one of these two men is lying. The beekeeper with his story about losing the bees, or the inventor with that fantastic gadget he's got in his hand. Which is lying? Which one is lying? That's your job. Well, I think this man here with the fantastic gadget, as you call it. Come on down. <laughs> she thinks you're lying. Well, she's right. I never saw this thing before until about an hour ago. <laughs> yes, sir, Lyle Reedy is no more of an inventor than I am, are you? Oh, no, I'll say not. This silly old thing? But, huh? Well, what a thing. And what a thing. So you see... You have won a beautiful Mohawk carpet on your second time out, and that is plus the foam set cushion for longer life from the looms of Mohawk. And if, and if, oh, and, and Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Littlefield, you are actually a beekeeper. A beekeeper, and anybody who wants a bee in your bonnet, send in to Mr. Littlefield. Thank you very much. Thank you. And we are glad you proved that people are fun.
the hand is quicker than the eye. Last week, Lady Luck did not smile on the young lady, but maybe this week... Howdy, Mr. Linklater. Thank you, Pat. You can take your shell game and go now. Thank you. Actually, what Pat McGeehan said is absolutely true. Americans are funny about the desire to take a chance. Everybody likes to take a little bet, especially if it doesn't cost them anything. And the shell game is one of our oldest and most characteristic games of chance at carnivals, circuses, and parties. We have devised here, and people are funny, our own type of shell game. It's three cylinders, all painted with little dots which are practically the same. And the tops of these three cylindrical cans are covered by a rubber which has been sliced in two places so that you can put your hand down in it, but you can't see down in it. Last week, a lady contestant had her choice of which one of these cans to reach into to get a $2,500 Lucien Picard wristwatch. Instead, she got into the can where there was an electrically charged battery. She got a real charge out of this show. Tonight, we're going to continue our fun. So bring in our guest from Indianapolis, a lady picked out of the audience just before we went on the air. Hello. Hello. You're Mrs.? Mrs. Margaret Durham. From Indianapolis. From Indianapolis. What does yeah. Mr. Durham do? He's a county commissioner. County commissioner? Well, it'll be all right for him to let you play our shell game with us? Oh, I think so. Any children, Mrs. Durham? No. Do you like to go to, to, to places where they have wheels of fortune? And, oh, yes. <laughs> and do a little uh, bingo playing now, ma'am? Now, here's the way we play our game of bingo. We have here a revolving table. And these three cans, each one of which is marked identically. You got that? Yes. Now, Mr. McGeehan, may I have the first item, please? I am holding in my hands a little automobile model. And this automobile model represents a 1955 Nash Rambler automobile that gives you 30 miles to the gallon of gas. And if you pick this out of the buckets, you get a 1955 Nash car for your very own self. Now look what's coming next. Pat, quickly. Here is a can of live worms. <laughs> See that? Yes, I'm going to put that in and upend it. And there it is. All the worms are in there. Mr. McGeehan, please. The next item. She says, Ew. A little white mice. And I put him... Mouse. I, that's a rat, she says. I put him down in there. Now, there is the car, the mouse, the worms. And around it goes. Around it goes. Now you turn around. Quickly. Mrs. Durham, reach down, and what are you going to get? I think the worms. Well, which one are you going to pick? This one. You're going to pick this one? Mm-hmm. You think that's the one with the, the new Nash automobile? I'm not sure, but... Do you have woman intuition? Or sometimes. I don't know which one it is. I've lost track. I can't tell. I feel like it's going to be worms tonight. This is going to be worms? <laughs> How do you like your worms? On brochettes or under glass? All right. Might be the, the rat. Well, I'm not. Can I go ahead? Yeah, go right ahead and see what you get. Oh, it's the worm. She knew it. 
she said, well, why did you do it if you knew it? I don't know. I kept thinking you'd... Uh... No, you knew those were the worms, didn't you? I felt it. Well, then why didn't you read An somewhere inspiration. else? Well, I looked, and they all looked alike. Yeah, but if you felt this was the worms, why did you reach in there? Well, Do you want worms? No, but I thought maybe I might be wrong this time. In other words, you went against your female intuition. That's right. Just for the fun of it, which one of these two you've lost, but we'll see if your female intuition, which one of you tells you of which one of these two? That might be the car there. Right here. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Ah, it's the rat! <laughs> Yeah, this is the car, and so your intuition didn't work. But you, Mrs. Durham from Indianapolis, get a consolation prize of a beautiful Westinghouse roaster oven. You can be sure if it's a Westinghouse. And thanks for proving that people are funny. They should never go against intuition. Goodbye. They stay with us. The fun continues. Big dog out to a nearby neighborhood to test scientifically how sentimental people are about the combination of a boy and a dog. And if he could get the people to keep the dog overnight, there'd be something doing for everybody. So let's bring in the boy and the big dog and see what happened. Whoa, here he comes. There you are. The, boy, the dog is a gray big St. Bernard. It outweighs the boy about two to one. And Reese is a young eight-year-old lad who went out. And what did you do, Reese? I went out the house to house and I asked people if they would keep a dog for me. Overnight? And, yeah, overnight. But where was this dog when you asked them that? In the car. They didn't see this dog at all. Uh-uh. You said it was a little puppy? Yep. And you told them a miserable story about the fact that the father would let you keep the dog if you could keep him overnight, huh? Yeah. This is very interesting interview conditions. Your name, please. <laughs> um, and um, so what happened? Did you get well, turned down the first place or not? Yeah. Oh, they wouldn't let you when you brought the dog up? They they had a dog. No, I didn't bring the dog up. They uh, had a dog already. Oh, and they wouldn't keep your dog just for one night? Nope. So well, then you went to the next place. Then yeah. what happened? Well, that, then they uh, they were nice about it, but they, but they, they all seemed to have dogs. And they didn't want to keep your dog? Mm -mm. Did you ever find anybody who yes, said they would? The last house I went to, have, uh, they didn't have a dog, and I went up to it, and she was real surprised when I brought up the dog, but she, she, kept, she uh, agreed. In other words, when instead of a little puppy, you brought this great big monster up, yeah. the woman agreed. Mm -hmm. Did you bring her back? Yep. Let's find out who this woman is. <laughs> Betty Danko. Where are you from, Mrs. Danko? Miss Danko. Oh, a single lady. Yes. And young Mr. Ehrlich here appealed to your sense of a little boy wanting a dog. That's right. What happened when he brought the big thing up? Well, I don't know. My cat took off like this and knocked my mother down in the kitchen. I, my mother doesn't know where I am or anything. She just saw you go away with a big dog. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Isn't it? Yeah, it is a little crazy. We wanted to find out if people would take pity on a little boy who had a puppy to take overnight. And do you know he went to a lot of houses and they all turned him down until he came to your house? Well, I thought he belonged in the neighborhood, you know. I asked him where he lived. I thought, well, if he's 
you know, a new neighbor or something like that, I should be very neighborly. Yeah. And um, so he said his father would show up the next day. So I thought, well, all right, you know. So then? So then I went back in. I closed the door and I went back in because he was going down the street. I thought he was going home to get the dog or something. So I went back in and then the, the knock at the door and here's this huge animal. <laughs> this huge animal? And he came bounding in, huh? You almost knocked me down. <laughs> well, now, did you still say you'd keep him? Well, what could I do? I had, you know, promised. You'd promised a little boy. Of course, he said 22 pounds a day he eats. And my cat, you know, eats one pound every three or four days. And that's all I had home was a little bit of cat meat. And yes, yeah, so I was going to take care of him. You could have fed the cat to him. <laughs> and that's what do, do you work here in town? Yes. What do you do? Well, I work in pictures. In pictures? Are you extra? Extra bit standing in. Uh-huh. Well, good. Well, you're certainly standing in for a little boy tonight. And where are you going to keep the dog? Do you have a place to keep the St. Bernard? Well, I'll either have to keep him in the garage or in my room and stay in the garage myself. I don't know. <laughs> you, you live with your mother? Yes. Doesn't she have a room there? Yes, she has, but she doesn't know where I've disappeared. Oh, and she doesn't want a room with the dog overnight, is she? Sure, she doesn't. Well, I tell you, Miss Danko, you have come through with flying colors. You not only volunteered to help a little boy, but when the uh, obstacles became horrifying, you still went through with it. And so we'd like to have you take home for your home a beautiful Tappan gas range with all of exclusive oh, Tappan seats. you're joking. Huh? You're joking. No, that's yours from us. From People Are Funny. Would you like it? I certainly would, but I, you're kidding. No, it's yours. It's yours, and the next time anybody comes to the door with a big dog, you can run, put your head in the oven, and turn the gas on. And Reese, we're going to give you, for your home, a beautiful Stromberg Carlson television set. How do you like that, huh? There's nothing finer than a Stromberg Carlson, and for the dog, we have in the back a rhinoceros bone that you can take home with you. Thank you very much. Goodbye, Vistanko. Goodbye, Reese. Join Art Linkletter again next time for more fun, more zany antics, once again proving that people are funny. Singing a song just for you.